Just want to say, first of all, thank you so much to those of you who covered for me last month when I got the flu. I got diagnosed on Saturday, and the worship night was on Monday. And I asked the, the nurse practitioner if I was able to come uh, to that Monday night, and she said, uh, you're not going to feel like going on campus. I said, I don't know. She's like, are you willing to wear a mask? And I said, um, that would be kind of weird. Hey, stay away from me. I have the flu. You could die from this, you know. Um, so I felt so bad, but some of you texted me and checking in on me and sending me verses and stuff and really made a big difference in my life, so thank you so much. And um, so this semester, if you didn't know, we've been studying through the book of Daniel. It's in the Old Testament. And uh, if you don't know how to find it, you've got a paper Bible, Lamentations, Ezekiel, Daniel. Um, and it's just been a great study for us. And Daniel's name means God is my judge. And that kind of runs as a baseline through the whole stinking book. And it's just been so good to go through it together. I hope you're enjoying it. And uh, we've just been saying this at every one of our worship nights. Then I'll turn it over to Michael. This is Michael, by the way, and Rachel. And they're both fantastic. And this is one of the things I love about doing this message. I really get to know who I prepare the message with. And I uh, really enjoyed it. Um, hopefully it works out for every one of you to do it before you graduate. Um, you're like, don't ask me. <laughs> All right, we don't want to be belligerent in Babylon, nor do we want to be belittled or shrink in Babylon. But we do want to believe in Babylon. We want to gain influence in Babylon. We want to love in Babylon. We want to serve in Babylon. And we want to, many to follow Jesus as a result of us being in Babylon. So... Hang with us. This is going to be good. So um, part of tonight's speech, as we're going to kind of get into it a little bit, goes along with stress and handling with the things that are unknown and having to confront different things that we don't always have the power to control. And so I told a little bit of a story to Andrew, and uh, he liked it enough that he thought I should share it for all of you guys. And this is a true story, and um, it's about my roommates and a, a funny little prank that they pulled on me. By the way, there's two of them back there if you want to, like, give them a hard time for me afterwards, but... So the story comes, starts off as I'm coming home from a, a fun weekend at Purdue. I was hanging out with some friends from high school, and uh, I walk up to my, my dorm, and on the door, there's a letter, and it says, addressed to me. So I open it, and I walk in the door, and I ask my roommates, I'm like, you guys see this? Um, what's this all about? They're like, I don't know. So I open it, and inside, uh, I guess I should probably tell you guys a little bit of backstory. So um, kind of related here, I got a 0 and a 25 out of a project because someone in our group forgot to turn in part of a project. So that's a really short abbreviated version, so you need to know that. So on this paper, it says, because you had a 0 out of 25 in one of your assignments, all of your scholarships have been taken away. You have been kicked out of all possible chances of getting any further scholarships. And this thing was like legit. Like it had like the seal on the top and the copyright on the bottom and stuff. And so I'm freaking out, and I'm mad, especially because this project, a lot of it, like, I didn't really have much, like, it, it was two of us did a lot of it, and one person, like, forgot to do one thing. We did all of it, but one thing, and we got zero out of 25 on it. So I was mad, and I was, like, talking to my roommates. I'm like, did you know about this? Like, no, this is crazy, dude. You should, like, go to the bursar later. I'm like, fine, whatever. <laughs> so I'd storm in my room all mad, and I uh, try and vent, and I walk in, and my window is open. All of my pictures that are on my, my window frame are knocked on the floor. I'm like, what's going on? And I walk up and I look to my side, and in my bed, there's a body laying in my bed. And I freak out. I run out of the room. I'm like, because all my roommates are in the room. So I'm like, there's no way none of them are sleeping in my room. I'm like, what's going on? I'm like, guys, I think there's someone asleep in my room. Like, something's going on here. There's someone in my room. And so like, what? And so we all go over and we look in. And they're like, dude, that's nuts. It's probably some drunk guy, like, passed out. He came in. I'm like, 
oh my gosh, this night could not get any worse. And so I run out, I'm going to get the RA, and then halfway down the hallway, one of my roommates comes out, it's like, dude, come back, it, it was all a prank, everything. And so they got me pretty good that night, and um, I still haven't got him back, but I'm going to eventually get him. And if anyone has any suggestions after the speech, be sure to come talk to me. So, But yeah, so that's just kind of talking about um, how not everything we have is in our control. And we stress a lot about certain things that um, we don't always have control over. And I think uh, throughout the message, we're going to kind of talk about that, especially with finals coming up soon. Um, stress is going to be definitely relevant in our lives, and uh, hopefully you can get some of that away from the message today. So tonight we're going to answer this one question. How am I going to make it to the end of this semester in one piece and not many pieces? Right? Are you, are you thinking that right now? How am I going to make it to the end of this semester in one piece? Uh, our worship leader, Hannah, just played piano tonight. She said in one of her classes she was zoning out, so she thought I might be productive and wrote down all the things that she had left to do for, from now until finals. And she was just like staring at the piece of paper like, this is impossible. And uh, maybe that's you. And so the one thing we want to get for you to get tonight is that God wants you to learn how to hold on when you want to let go. And if so, if you said, I'm wondering how I'm going to make it at the end of this semester in one piece, we're going to hope, well, we're not going to, but God is going to do that for us tonight. So Rachel's going to read the first part of our passage in Daniel 10. In the third year of the reign of King Cyrus of Persia, Daniel, also known as Belteshazzar, had another vision. He understood that the vision concerned events certain to happen in the future, times of war, and great hardship. When this vision came to me, I, Daniel, had been in mourning for three whole weeks. All that time I'd eaten no rich food, no meat, or wine crossed my lips, and I used no fragrant lotions until those three weeks had passed. On April 23rd, I was standing on the bank of the Great Tigris River. I looked up and saw a man dressed in linen clothing, with a belt of pure gold around his waist. His body looked like a precious gem. His face flashed like lightning, and his eyes flamed like torches. His arms and feet shone like polished bronze, and his voice roared like a vast multitude of people. Only I, Daniel, saw this vision. The men with me saw nothing, but they were suddenly terrified and ran away to hide. So I was left there all alone to see this amazing vision. My strength left me, my face grew deathly pale, and I felt very weak. Then I heard the man speak, and when I heard the sound of his voice, I fainted and lay there with my face to the ground. Wow. So Daniel's around 82 years old. This is a lot for an 82-year-old to go through, right? I'm not sure what this does to your body, but it, it has to age you. Um, so he's 82 years old, and he's at the end of his life, and Daniel was back at it in serious prayer. As we remember in Daniel chapter 9, if you've been following along, he mourned, he prayed, um, he went back to his Daniel chapter 1 diet, which was like strict, you know, vegetables, water, no choice meats and stuff. And it's funny because it almost tells us that it shows us he wasn't always on a strict diet. So some of you who ate the pizza tonight and you knew you shouldn't have eaten it, there you go. For all we know, he was drinking, you know, wine and eating chicken nuggets or whatever. Those of you who feel guilty of eating so many Chick-fil-A chicken nuggets, there you go. There are times, though, to, you know, indulge on uh, vegetables and stuff. So he sees a man, and this is no normal man. He gives seven descriptors of this man. He says, number one, he is dressed in linen clothing, which signifies the purity of the man that he saw. Number two, he saw the belt of pure gold that this guy was wearing, which signifies royalty. His body looked like a dazzling gem, which signifies this man's glory. And from his face... 
uh, came flashes of lightning. Some of you have seen your mom in this, this uh, situation, maybe. Uh, that signifies your mom's power and this man's power. His eyes were like flaming torches. Uh, knowledge, this, maybe this is a professor, I'm not sure. But flaming torches, that, that signifies his knowledge and his judgment. Six, his arms and his feet polished like bronze, like, like polished bronze. Um, that signifies his strength. And voice like a roaring of a vast multitude of people signifies his far-reaching message. And to top it all off, he's dressed like a priest. And many people believe that this is the exact kind of little bit different vision that John had on the Isle of Patmos Revelation chapter 1, verses 12 through 16. We don't have time to go through that, but I encourage you to read through that. Uh, maybe not right now so you can pay attention, but later. And just check out and just compare the two visions. And so because of this, when he sees this, many people believe that the parallel between Revelation 1 and this passage leads us to believe that this is a pre-incarnate version of Jesus. Uh, his buddies, though, they see nothing. And they become suddenly terrified and ran away to hide. They didn't see, but they were aware. And what my question was when I was reading this, and maybe you were thinking that too when we read the passage, what if this is Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, punks, just running off? See ya, man. I don't know what happened, but it's not good. I'm out of here. See ya. You know, maybe they were old too and not as brave as Daniel. This is like Daniel had a choice here in the matter. But Daniel's so physically affected by the vision. He has no strength. He's pale, he's very weak, he fainted, and he's face down on the ground. You know, just picture him face down on the ground. God knows that a senior citizen, Daniel, needs to start here on his face to hold on when he wants to let go. He sees a vision of Jesus, and we too, we need a fresh vision of Jesus tonight. Don't you need that tonight? Don't you need a fresh vision of Jesus? Especially those of you who have grown up in the church You've seen many faces of Jesus, and sometimes it's like Caucasian Jesus. I don't think Jesus looked like that, uh, you know, but we, we've seen all kinds of different versions of Jesus. Let's get a fresh vision for Jesus, not this stale, old, outdated version of Jesus. Let's get a fresh version of Jesus. How have you been seeing Jesus tonight? And many of us, what we do is we, we get it secondhand, the vision of Jesus. So we, my pastor's got to give me, my priest has got to give me the vision of Jesus, right? Uh, my, my friend who's a stronger believer than me gives me the fresh vision of Jesus, but we don't come face to face with Jesus. And so beware though, when this happens, when Jesus confronts us, and we're going to get to this later, he will never leave you the same way that he finds you, which is the most amazing part of Jesus and the most like the hardest thing about who he is. And so God wants you to learn how to hold on when you want to let go. Daniel 10, 10 through 17 is our next part. Just then a hand touched me and lifted me, still trembling to my hands and my knees. And the man said to me, Daniel, you are very precious to God. So listen carefully to what I have to say to you. Stand up for I've been sent to you. When he said this to me, I stood up still trembling. Then he said, don't be afraid, Daniel. Since the first day you begun to pray for understanding and to humble yourself before your God, your request has been heard in heaven. I have come to answer your prayer. But for 21 days, the spirit prince of the kingdom of Persia blocked my way. Then Michael, one of the archangels, came to help me, and I left him there with the spirit prince of the kingdom of Persia. Now I am here to explain what will happen to your people in the future, for, the vision, for this vision concerns a time yet to come. 
While he was speaking to me, I looked down at the ground and able to say a word. Then the one who looked like a man touched my lips, and I opened my mouth and began to speak. I said to the one standing in front of me, I am filled with anguish because of the vision I have seen, my Lord, and I am very weak. How can someone like me, your servant, talk to you, my Lord? My strength is gone, and I can hardly breathe. So the mantra of our current generation is this, that if you can only trust what you can see, okay? And in some ways that works really well, but in other ways, other areas it doesn't. So you can only trust what you can see, measure, trust. You can only trust what you can test. And it doesn't take long to see the immediate conflict for how we relate with God and everything else in our lives, right? So we judge everything on classes, on our jobs. Everything is about what we can see. And when we deal with God and what the spiritual realm, all these other things are happening that we can't see and that we can't test. We can't measure. We can't put it in a lab and figure it out, right? And that's exactly what this portion of the passage is talking about. Daniel finds himself passed out, face down on the ground, and this unidentified angel, so many people believe that at verse 10, it switches from the pre-incarnate Christ to an unidentified angel that we don't even know is, well, angels don't, they're asexual, of course, but, you know, this angel's name, we don't know this angel's name. And he, unidentified angel, puts his hand on Daniel when he's face down, passed out, and lifts him to his hands and knees. And he's, this, he's speaking to him when he's on his hands and knees like a dog, right? Oh, Daniel, precious to God. The Hebrew word for precious to God is just one word right there. And we're going to talk about this in Hebrew a lot tonight, how we don't really have a good word for what they're saying. It's just one Hebrew word. So we use like five English words trying to understand it. And this Hebrew word is hamudot. You know, I think you should say that. Hamudot. Very good. Which means to treasure, to take pleasure in. We will come back, we'll come back to that word later because it appears in verse 19. And it also appeared in the previous chapter, in chapter 9, verse 23, when Daniel gets his other answer to prayer. So Daniel finally makes it to his feet. And this unidentified angel now peels back the curtain to let Daniel know what's really happening. And this is very interesting because not all of us get a chance to see what's really happening around us, do we? We only get like our realm, you know, the you know, physical realm of seeing something happening when there's so much more going on behind the scenes. Job didn't even get to see. Remember, the devil pretty much did everything but kill Job. And Job still, at the very end of the book, even though it's like, you know, 40 some odd chapters, he still doesn't get an explanation for what's happening. God just tells him about how almighty he is, but he doesn't know that the devil killed his family. He doesn't know that the devil took away all of his possessions. doesn't know the devil put his hand on him and, like, made him incredibly ill. But Daniel actually gets to see behind the curtain and see what the spiritual realm is like. And on, this, on day one of his prayer that he prayed, uh, this angel says he was heard and that the angel came with an answer, was, was blocked for 21 days, by whom he calls the prince of Persia. And so this is, this is a demon, okay? I don't know how else to say that. This is someone, uh, one of the devil's angels is blocking one of God's angels, this unidentified angel. And then Michael, the archangel, right here, he's on my right, perfect person for this message. One of the archangels came to help him escape. Not only does he help him escape, but Michael, like, doesn't jet. 
he like sticks there and like is apparently still fighting this other demon. And while the unidentified angel runs off or flies off or however that works to Daniel. But it doesn't seem like it's very far away. It doesn't seem like it's very far away at all. He, and then Daniel goes mute and the unidentified angel touches his lips and he's able to speak long enough to say how weak he is, verse 16, and how unworthy he is, how void of strength he is, how he can hardly breathe. How many of you are there? How weak you are, how you can hardly breathe, like I just got punched in the stomach. Somebody revive me. I can't speak either, nor can I type out that paper. I just can't do it. There is so much in our lives going on in and around our lives that beyond what we can even begin to know. I mean, think about it. If this is happening in this passage, what is happening around us right now? What is the devil trying to do to distract you right now? Even in your small groups, and you're sitting there, you're trying your life group, and you're sitting there trying to listen to the Bible, the the, sto- the story, and the, your leaders, he they're he or her they're stressed out, and they're trying to do their best, and and you're distracted. It could it be that there's more going on, even in our life groups, even tonight, that we can't even see. So, when you pray, your words, number one, they don't fall to the ground. They go straight to the ears of God through Jesus. My wife and I were just talking about this last night because my mother-in-law is battling ovarian cancer. been over three and a half years, and it seems like every time we pray about something, it's worse than we thought. Come on, what's going on? And so you almost feel like every time I pray, there's some kind of like net over the top of my, my head, and it doesn't get there. And that's not true. That's not true. God is hearing us, and he wants us to continue to pray in faith. Number two, there is a battle going on beyond flesh and blood, time, space, and matter. Check out what the Apostle Paul said in Ephesians six twelve. He says, we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies. Some of you need to hear that tonight. Those who are wearing flesh and blood are not your enemy. They're not. The devil would love for you to think that they're, they're your enemy, but they're not. We're not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers, the prince of Persia, and authorities of the unseen world against mighty powers in this dark world and against evil spirits in heavenly places. That, my friends, is who we are fighting against. And the battle is real, and the battle is for you. The battle is for me. The battle is for your body. The battle is for your soul. And so don't think for a second uh, that this isn't true about the reality that there's so much going on, more than you could ever see. And, uh, it goes beyond your sight, and uh, the devil would love to convince you that he doesn't exist. And, but God wants you to learn how to hold on when you want to let go. But here's the thing. If you do let go, the devil is always going to be waiting there with open arms to receive you. And the Bible says in John 10, 10 that the devil has three objectives for your life. Steal, kill, and destroy. Um, but Jesus has come that we may have life. Let's finish up the passage. Daniel 10, 18 through 21. Then the one who looked like a man touched me again, and I felt my strength returning. Don't be afraid, he said, for you are very precious to God. Peace. Be encouraged. Be strong. As he spoke these words to me, I suddenly felt stronger and said to him, Please speak to me, my Lord, for you have strengthened me. He replied, Do you know why I have come? Soon I must return to fight against the spirit 
prince of the kingdom of Persia. And after that, the spirit prince of the kingdom of Greece will come. Meanwhile, I will tell you what is written in the book of truth. No one helps me against these spirit princes except Michael, your spirit prince. So this unidentified angel isn't done with Daniel yet. He knows what he's going to need to receive the vision that we're going to see in Daniel chapter 11, which is over 400 years of history of prophecy that he's going to get to see. Uh, the Persian Empire, the Greek Empire, Alexander the Great, Antiochus IV, Epiphanes. Uh, if you don't understand any of what I just said, your life group next week or the week after uh, will be covering it. And hopefully your life group leader can unpack all that because I about lost my mind trying to do that lesson. Um, but he, he comes at him and he touches him again and he says, Daniel... Uh, and, and Daniel says, I felt my strength returning, and the angel drops four invitations on this 82-year-old Daniel. I can't get over this. This 82-year-old Daniel who's been through all these things in his life, he has never really known outside of 0 to 13 what it was like to live in his, his native country in Jerusalem. He's been taken away. And the first thing that he says to Daniel, and he says, don't be afraid. The most often quoted command in the Bible is do not be afraid or fear not. Isn't that interesting? What should that tell us about God's will for our lives? Um, and he's already told this in verse 12. So how does this work? If God says to one of you, Craig, Jenna, one of you, he says, do not be afraid. You're like, yeah, easy for you to say, God. I'm facing all these things. I got calc two, and I can't statistically pass it. There's a guy in my life who was like that. I said, God is above statistics. I'm counting on this curve that's going to come from the Holy Spirit. <laughs> and when he passes Calc 2 and has to cancel his Calc 2 for next semester, I'm going to be like, yes, Lord. But I'm thinking about uh, Romans chapter 8, verse 31. If God is for us, who can be against us? If God is for us, who can be against us? It's that we fear God and we worship him so much that nobody, nothing, no class, no situation, no car that won't start can ever keep us from God's love. And there is no reason to be afraid. Second, he says, you are very precious to God. Again, the second time he's told this, like verse 11, and like chapter 9, verse 23, hamudot, which means to treasure or take pleasure in Daniel, Liz, Nathan, Isaac, you are precious to God. God doesn't put up with you. He takes pleasure in you. Now think about that for a second. Many of us are thinking, well, God just puts up with me. And actually, Jesus said that one time. He's mad. How long will I put up with you? But, you know, this says, I take pleasure in you. I enjoy you. Many of you don't think that God thinks that way about you, but he does. Third, be at peace. Uh, uses the, the you know, Jewish word shalom, which we, a lot of us know about completeness, soundness, sometimes speaks of health, the state of health, getting physically right. Uh, number four, he says, take heart and be strong. Another time where it's just one Hebrew word, which is hazak. Say that with me, hazak. And uh, you just spit on somebody next to you is really gross. But it means to seize to grasp, to keep hold of, to grow, to make strong, to prevail. That's the whole, when we came to this verse and we were studying it together, we knew that was the verse. That's what God wants to say to you tonight. Take heart and be strong. Hazak. Don't let go when you're holding on. God wants you to prevail. 
And so it's really neat because Daniel kind of testifies. It's really neat uh, interaction here because he goes, as he spoke these words, I suddenly felt stronger. Do you feel stronger after we just kind of went through it? I hope you do. You feel like you can make it through the next month? I hope you do. And I hope it like, is a sustained feeling. Notice it wasn't anything that Daniel did to make him stronger. It was the four statements that he absorbed and believed. And all of, his, all of us in this room need to absorb these same four truths as well. So God wants you to learn how to hold on when you want to let go. Rachel's going to share this really cool story about uh, how she ended up at IUPUI. Okay, so for a little background, um, I'm from Illinois, so that's kind of fun, from Springfield. Um, growing up, I always went to church, but it was a smaller church, and a lot of the congregation was older. I didn't really have a lot of people my age, so kind of coming into college, I didn't know what to expect. Um, I came to IUPUI because I'm a sports management major, so the city is full of sports. Uh, that was one of the main reasons I came here, and then went through my freshman year. Actually, my very first semester, I was in a class with a girl who lived 15 minutes from my house back home, so that was super strange, and I was like, oh, weird. And then uh, my second semester, I actually met Ryan, and that's when things kind of started to fall into place, and then the beginning of last year, he invited me to their life group. So that's kind of how I started to get involved. And that was kind of the moment I was like, oh, maybe this is part of the reason why I'm here. Why I came all the way, three and a half hours away from home, not really knowing anybody, to be at IUPUI and meeting all these people um, that are my same age that also love Jesus. So um, that was kind of my, my fresh vision moment. I would say a lot of the time growing up, I didn't have a big youth group to go to to kind of grow my faith and that kind of thing. And then coming here, I met so many other people, including most of you in this room, um, that kind of helped bring that back. Uh, and so now I actually intern with the Pacers, and it's kind of one of those things where I was like, oh, if I would have gone to the other school, would I have had the same opportunity, or was God always pushing me here to get all of these opportunities, both in my major and personally and in my faith? Uh, so that was kind of my fresh vision moment uh, that we talked about earlier in the passage, and hopefully it continues to grow through that, and we still have a year left, so I can't wait to see what happens. And, you know, this has nothing to do with the sermon, but she drives Boomer around. The mascot. It's one of the things she does, takes him to public appearances. It's awesome. I grilled her about that for 15 minutes the other day, but I wanted him to run in at this point and go, ah, and then run out. But we couldn't, couldn't make it happen. He's like 50, and he's probably um, laying down right now or something. Um, all right. That's not true. He, I think he is that old, though. 48. How does he do that at 48? Okay. Three questions. We talked about vision. We talked about perspective on what's really happening. We talked about encouragement. So let me ask you three questions coming out of that, and Michael's going to close us out with this, another story. So when was the last time you had a fresh first-person experience with Jesus? And I'm not talking like a sermon that you watched online. I'm not talking about a book you read and you got really excited about and then forgot about it three months later. I'm not talking about something, uh, you know, that your pastor said on Sunday. I'm talking about you interacting face-to-face -face with Jesus. When's the last time you had a fresh vision of Jesus? When's the last time you sat down with your Bible, opened, 
and just got to know Jesus? When's the last time you prayed with all of your heart, mind, soul, strength to Jesus? I think that that's the difference. I really do. That's why we the, the thing that we're, we focus so much on is right here on his shirt. Pursue, model, teach. That was for effect. Okay? Pursue, model, teach. It all starts with the pursue. You have no business modeling or teaching if you're not pursuing. And I had to come to grips with this in my life over the last year because impact is so different than working in a church because in the church it's like, how much can you do for us? Impact's the president of impact. It lives in Idaho. How's your pursuit of Jesus? No, how about you ask me how many students came to the event last night, man? No, how's your pursuit of Jesus? That's the first question he asked me. I'm like, don't ask me that question. But see, that's where it happens. That's the fresh vision. That's how when our identity, when God shapes and forms us into who he wants us to be, starts right there with that fresh vision of Jesus. Second question, on a daily basis, do you remember that there is always more going on than you see? When you got someone who is like fire hot mad at you and they are talking bad about you all over the place and you're thinking, what is happening? I did nothing to deserve this. You know, the devil is in the middle of that thing. That is not just happening. That is not an accident. Maybe they are a turd. I don't know. But I do know that the devil is working overtime to distract you, to discourage you, to take you all the way down. Keep that, in the, keep that in the front of your mind, actually, not in the back of your mind, that we are in a battle. And Michael pointed this out when we were studying the passage, that it seems like Daniel, his angel was Michael. And Jesus, when he, he's talking to the people, he says, their angels are in the presence of God, talking about the kids. wonder if we all have our angels. We're talking about that next semester, the seven churches of Asia. Each church in that had its own angel which is very fascinating. I don't know. Have any other information beyond that? Good luck. Third question. Why haven't you fully taken up God on his fourfold offer of not being afraid, knowing that you are, that God takes pleasure in you, knowing that God can give you peace, shalom in the midst of storms, that he can help you hold on when you want to let go? And you need to answer those three questions tonight. Michael's going to close us out with this. I'll, I'll talk a little bit at the end. So um, one of our main themes for tonight is um, God wants you to hold on when you feel like you want to let go. And that can be kind of applied to a lot of different things. But one thing that kind of applies to me a little personally, and I feel like a lot of people here too, is in college we kind of are involved with a lot of different relationships, whether that be romantic relationships or whether that be relationships with your parents or whether that be with friends and things like that. And um, side note, my roommates also give me a lot of a lot of hard time for being the only single one in the dorms. So... By the way, um, my roommates are not terrible people, if you're worried. They're great guys, but they do like to have fun. But uh, no, so um, things like that, um, a lot of times we can try and give up or want to give up when we're struggling with relationships, whether that be, like I said, romantic or even when it comes to like with your parents or when you're having a tough relationship with your friends. It's hard sometimes. It can get really rough, but God wants you to hold on when you want to let go. And uh, this next story is kind of actually about my parents and how they met and how they um, ended up getting married. Uh, my dad grew up uh, where I was born and raised, about three hours north in Goshen, Indiana. I don't know if any of you guys know where that's at, but Goshen represent. Um, but yeah, so he grew up there, and he ended up going to Manchester and got his master's in psychology, and then he went actually to California, so across the country, to get his doctorate at Fuller Theological Seminaries in Pasadena, California. 
And my mom, she was uh, grew up actually on the East Coast. She grew up in Maryland, and she was a stud athlete. She actually won state in cross country and track seven out of her eight years. She came in second um, her freshman year in track, but all the other years she won state. So she got a full ride D1 Maryland. So she, she was involved in that heavily. And then after she graduated from there, she realized she wanted to get into the ministry. So she decided to move across the country as well to, you guessed it, Pasadena, California, to Fuller Theological Seminaries. And um, at this point in their lives, my parents are 28-ish. They're old, and um, or older, <laughs> older than when you'd think that you'd get married. Like, it, most people, yeah, luckily none of you can know my parents, so. But no, so older, like, when you think about people getting married, most of you think, um, like, right when you're in college, right when you get out of college, like 23, 24, but they were older older. They were 28-ish when they ended up meeting and getting married. And so even in times like this when we're struggling and with you, if you're single and you're struggling with, why am I not with someone? Um, God's got his hand on you. And it could be five years down the road. It could be tomorrow. It could be 10 years down the road. But he's got his hand in your life and he's playing a role in your life. And so that story is kind of just designed to kind of kind of just be a, a peaceful story and to kind of put your mind at peace when it comes to things like that and any kind of relational issues. And that kind of jumps into the next thing here is uh, my life first. And um, it has to do with, with that and just in general when you're stressed or when you're feeling um, scared or afraid. And it's uh, Romans 15, 13. I don't know if uh, any of you guys know it, but it goes, I pray that God, the source of hope, will fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust in him. Then you will overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. And so whenever I'm going through a hard time or I'm stressed about school or I'm afraid or I'm struggling with a relationship or worried why I'm not in a relationship, I think about this verse and just that God is there and he's always going to have a relationship with you. And that everlasting relationship is always there. And so you can have peace because of that. And so I think Andrew's going to close this out here with final So tonight God has given us everything we need to thrive all the way to the end of the semester. Do you feel it? You feel what God was trying to say to you tonight? I'm not sure we can say much else. That's it. And uh, the, the question is, will you be willing to release everything t- to him? And we say this over and over and over again, but for thou- 2,000 years now, everybody who has been baptized into Christ always says the good confession. Uh, um, I believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, and I accept him as my Lord and Savior. Have you accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior? Have you released everything to him? Is he really your Lord, or you just want him to help you out? Um, so tonight, God, he wants you to learn how to hold on when you want to let go. And uh, we just wanted to mention, too, uh, that we're available to talk after. If anybody wants to talk about it, I know you got to jet and get, get everything done. Um, and uh, So let's, let's close in a word of prayer, and we'll be done. Father, thank you so much for tonight. God, you have spoken clearly, and I pray that we would have taken every bit of it in. God, in this moment, we release all of our fears to you. As you say to us over and over and over again in Scripture, do not be afraid. When we're passed out, we're fainted on our faces, we're confused, we're struggling to stand up, we can hardly breathe. God, um, you come and you grab us and you say, you can do this, you can do this. Um, you are precious to God. Be at peace. Hold on. 
you can make it. Father, thank you for saving us the way that you have. And it's in Jesus' name. All God's people said, amen. Hey, before you leave tonight, we once again, ah! Alex Brown is a senior in college. She plays basketball for IUPUI. And she also does a little bit of art. So we would like to give you a, a piece of her art tonight to put where you need to remember that verse. She had done this how many months ago? Three, three months ago. And what do you know, the main verse that we wanted to focus on tonight, I had completely forgotten about it. Do not be afraid, he said. You are very precious to God. Peace, be encouraged, be strong. Come on now. Isn't that awesome how God does that? So I, we want to make sure you all get one of these before you leave tonight. Thanks for coming. Next one's on finals week, December 10th. Bring all your burdens that week. All right.